Hi everybody, welcome back to the 11th episode of Open Source for Business, brought to you by Open Teams. I hope that you all had a great holiday period and trust that you're getting back into the swing of things at work for what I hope is a great 2021 for all of you. In this episode of Open Source for Business, I talked with Matt Yonkovit, who is the Chief Experience Officer at Pecona. Pecona is a service provider for open source databases like MariaDB, MySQL, and PostgreSQL. For over 10 years, Matt worked as a database architect before transitioning into consulting roles at both MySQL and Sun Microsystems. He's got over 25 years of experience in both open source and databases, so needless to say, the lessons that I learned in this podcast were invaluable to me, and I'm sure they'll be invaluable to you too. As I mentioned before, this podcast is brought to you by Open Teams, the first open source services marketplace where users of open source software can find, vet, and contract with service providers. So now that we're ready, let's cue the music. I thought I'd kick it off by um, just talking about, so you started, you're currently the Chief Experience Officer at Picona. And Picona yes. offers, uh, in short, just uh, open source database solutions. We'll dive a bit more into that in a little bit. But at the moment, you're currently co- focused on the client and uh, customers. But I know when researching for this podcast, I learned that you were actually a techie for a large part of your career. Uh, you, I think for the better part of 10 years or over 10 years, were a database architect. So can you walk us through that evolution to give us an idea of how you got here today? Sure, no problem. I mean, this starts way back when I was in uh, college, actually, and I worked for an internet service provider. And uh, when I started, uh, you know, I started in tech support, right? So, so back in the days of dial-up modems, when you know you 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 got that squeal every time you dialed, we were one of the competitors to AOL, just a small kind of mom and pop place. And after working there for about a year. Uh, the, the, the VP of engineering came over and he says, uh, well, it, you know, you've been here a year. You're doing a good job. What do you want your career to be? I'm like, I don't know. I'm still in college. It's like, well, I'll go back, think about it. So back then, uh, before there were job boards, I went and I looked at the newspaper, actually, uh, because, you know, job boards were fairly new. And I found that, um, hey, Oracle DBAs pay pretty well compared to like programmers. So I'm like, you know, I think I want to be a DBA. And so I didn't know what a DBA was. Yeah, yeah, I didn't know what a DBA was, but it looked like it paid a lot. There were a lot of jobs for it. So and yep. he goes, I think we need that. And so, you know, you can be it. And that's how my career as a database admin started. Uh, but from there, I actually um, continued that with uh, several larger companies. So uh, Penske Logistics, GE-owned company. Um, I worked for insurance companies. I worked for Fortune 500 companies. So a little bit of here and there. And mm-hmm. I always worked on the, you know, Oracle, SQL Server, DB2 space, all these different database technologies. But then I started to get hooked on, hooked on open source. And so it really was interesting. I started doing some development on my own, starting to deploy my SQL, Postgres, try some different things. And I saw an ad for a company looking for a consultant. And that, that company happened to be MySQL AB. Right. So back in the day, and I'm like, hey, I, I use them in my, my, my own, you know, website, my own, the own company that I was running. And I'm like, that, that sounds kind of cool. And so I got a job working for my SQL AB as a consultant. And my job was to parachute into God knows where 
like so it was all over the country all over the world you know to help people not only get the most out of mysql but also get the most out of open source we kind of went up and down the stack a little bit you know playing around with apache php some pearl mm -hmm. some ruby a little bit of everything uh to try and get people to uh adopt open source more and uh for for about a couple of years my 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 address was the hilton um, because I traveled all over the world. Uh, no, that's pretty hard to complain. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, uh, you know, for me, it was was kind of cool for my wife. She didn't really care for it that much. But, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, so it tends to, you know, be, be one of those things. But I learned so much. And I used to be an introvert. Uh, I used to not, you know, like to talk to people. Back in the early days, I, I was more of the guy who, let me have my database. Let me sit in the corner. Let me tune some queries. Let me do some of these things. But when I started to go from client to client and do some some really cool things, um, we started to find out that, you know, you had to change your mentality. You had to like, you know, flip who you were because every week you're introduced to someone new and they have a new problem and you need to establish a rapport and credibility. So mm -hmm. it, it really had to kind of flip my mindset. And I found that I was really good at connecting with people and telling people, you know, kind of the background and the story of why this mattered, what we were doing, how it would work. And from there, I continued to grow. And uh, sh shortly before um, MySQL got acquired, well, or Sun got acquired by Oracle, um, you know, after the, the, the Sun acquisition, um, you know, uh, the founder of Percona, Peter Zaitsev, um, and I started talking about moving over there and he had come from MySQL as well. So we had known each other and moved over there to basically do the same thing, drop in from customer to customer to customer. So I started to learn all about what customers need and want in this open source space and this database space. And it was this really, really cool, you know, background and, and it was, it was really engaging, but I found that I could talk to customers. Customers kept on asking for me personally. And they wanted more of what I could do. And so that grew into a role where I took, you know, responsibility for managing the team. So the team of, you know, consultants that, you know, was at Percona, um, I, I managed the first, the Americas team. So out of Americas, then the global team. Um, then eventually we added support and managed service. And so, you know, as, as time went on, we found more activities that our customers needed. They wanted more ways to help them be successful. And, you know, I was able to make that connection with how they wanted to be, you know, shown, uh, you know, the, the, these products, how, how they needed to be helped, you know, what sort of things worked, what sort of things didn't. And uh, that continued to snowball until uh, eventually I was, you know, in charge of global services, then customer success and the chief customer officer for a while. Um, and now uh, chief experience officer kind of looking to see what we can do for that customer experience side that we did after the sale happened and, and run it all the way through community and all the way through the, 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 the process before someone buys, before they even you know, know that you exist. How do we bring that awesome customer you know, knowledge experience throughout the entire you know, um, uh, organization and the entire uh, customer journey? And so it's been a really exciting, you know, eclectic ride. You know, it's it's have a lot of pivots and a lot of back and forths, but it was very exciting. That is very exciting. I remember you first mentioned the other day that you used to be an introvert and I was shocked. I thought, how? It doesn't make sense. But I guess you must have trained and trained and trained and, and just gotten over that. Need. Like, how was that? And it was, do you find that you were the not the only person in open source that is an introvert? Because I know that there, it seems like there's quite a few introverts in the open source space. Well, it's funny that they fall into a couple of categories, right? So a lot of contributors 
end up being introverts, right? So you have a lot of, you know, uh, people who develop some awesome code, but, you know, talking publicly, unless it's technical, okay? If they can yes. talk technical yep. all day long, right? <laughs> and, uh, you know, unless it's technical, you know, then, um, you know, they, they, they have difficult time because it's it's something that just they're not comfortable with. They want to talk tech to tech. We used to have right. a consultant who, you know, um, was, was brilliant guy. And, you know, we would go out, you know, when we had group get togethers, you know, all the consultants would come in and, you know, we would go and, you know, you'd drink beer and you would, you know, eat pizza, you know, you'd do whatever event that you had, you try and decompress and you'd be talking about something, you'd turn to him and say like, oh, how's it going? And he would immediately jump right into like, you know, memory tuning variables and kernel debugging parameters and everything else. Yep. And you're like, great. <laughs> and then you'd go back and you'd be talking about like what your kids are going to do, what your wife is doing this weekend, you know, your hobbies, whatever you go back to him and more kernel tuning. Right. And that's cool. <laughs> Because there's those people who thrive on that as well. Uh, but yeah. you do see a lot of extroverts as well, because when you look at the community um, that open source has brought up, there's a lot of passion and there's a lot of people who love open source so much and they love to share it. And that's what's so exciting about the open source community and the open source spaces is you get the people who are really comfortable talking tech and they love to share that tech, but you also get the people who are very passionate about open source and they love to preach, evangelize, and you know, tell people about how awesome it is. And so was that passion always there? Is that a recent thing in the last decade? Or what did, what did you witness over your time as it sort of evolved? Well, I think it's it's always been there, but it's been a smaller community early on, right? And so now you're seeing more widespread acceptance. And you know, it's it's funny, you know, back when I started my SQLAB. My first day, I came from the enterprise, right? So I'm, I'm all stuffy, you know, I'm, I, I know what to do in the, the background. And uh, my first day there, uh, Martin Mikos uh, had decided before I arrived uh, to move the company towards an open core model. So, uh, you know, and as you know, open core, you know, has some, you know, big, you know, uh, uh, you know, proponents and some big opponents, right? You know, the open core debate has raged on for a very, very long time. Uh, but during that movement for MySQL, there was a all-company email thread where Mark Mikos was called the devil, and people were like, "You're gonna burn in hell for this," and like, you know, all kinds of just like crazy stuff. And I go to my wife, I go, "Oh my god, I can't believe this! Someone's gonna get fired the first day here. Somebody's gonna get fired because look oh. at all this, you know, th this this debate. Look at all this this anger, and no one got fired." And I'm like, "What?" And then I remember my boss telling me. Well, no, no, we we appreciate the debate. Everyone has a voice. Everyone, okay. we want to hear that, you know, that, you know, you're, you, you know, the, the opposition. We want to understand it. We want to embrace it. Just because you, you, you know, you take a passionate stance doesn't necessarily mean that you're right or wrong, but you do have that capability. And, and that's something that's always stuck with me is that, you know, awesome, you know, um, openness and that awesome willingness to debate and to, to stand on your principles. Um, even if you 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 are pa in passionate disagreement, right? You're still going to be able to, you know, at the end of the day, see eye to eye because you both respect one another, um, uh, you know, in each other's view. That's that's just an awesome place to to be. Well, no, I love that response, and I think definitely just the idea of a passion driving this thing is led to where it is today. Most companies now using open source. Everyone's at least heard about it or has a little bit of an idea about it, and I think it's hopefully that continues. Hopefully that grows. Do you think that's something that's 
going to continue into perpetuity or? Well, absolutely. I mean, it, it, it continues to grow, but it's evolving into some weird spaces, right? Because now we've got what is open source and what is not open source. And yeah. so there are a lot of products now who are evolving to a not necessarily open source community driven model. Right. And, you know, it's it's a it's a little bit of a wolf's and sheep's clothing when you think about it, because, you know, we're we're open source compatible, open source compatible, which means mm -hmm. we're compatible to, with, you know, other open source products or, you know, kind of open source like, but not really open source. Um, so how do you, you know, handle those? And when you start to look at, you know, there's been a massive amount of debate on cloud providers and what they've done with open source. And a lot of them have enhanced open source to the point where it's no longer open. And so mm -hmm. you've got that as well. Um, you've got, you know, um, companies like MongoDB who have come out and said, uh, you know, we've never really developed MongoDB as open source to accept contributions. We've developed it as a freemium model, as a business model, right? Mm -hmm. So you, you've got these different intentions from different companies. And sometimes that hurts the innovation. It hurts the passion of some of those communities. Other times you still have the passionate communities. It's just they're not at the technical depth that some of the other communities are. Postgres, for instance, has an insanely awesome community of very passionate, deeply technical people who understand the internals of Postgres. MongoDB's mm -hmm. community is very developer-friendly and very focused on developers. They don't necessarily know the ins and outs of the underlying source code. So you get these different groups that, that kind of pop up. But as the new generation is starting to adopt open source software, how they're adopting it isn't the same way. And mm -hmm. so there is a little risk that, you know, some of the, the you know, contributors and the, the contributions and what uh, that initial kind of round brought to us um, might not be the same in the second round because you might not have access to the source code for the product that you use. You might be using, you know, a cloud provider's version of MySQL or Postgres um, and, you know, or a, a MongoDB compatible version. And, mm -hmm. you know, so you click it up, you spin it, it's up and running. And now all of a sudden you don't have access to the source code to take a look, to, to innovate, to find out how these things work. Um, and so that's going to be a challenge for a lot of folks. And what are some of the impacts that you think that's going to have on the open source software industry? And is that something, I guess we'll start with that question. And the second question, is that something that's coming in? We'll see the negative impacts in the next five years, 10 years. When do you think? Well, I mean, I think that, you know, you, you, you know, it's, is it going to have a negative impact? No, more people are going to adopt it. Right. Mm -hmm. And that's good. The bigger that the, the, the open source pie, the better for all of us, right? Mm -hmm. Because we want to make the, 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 the pie bigger. We want more open source adoption. The challenge that I think you're going to run into is we're generating, you know, we're, we're, we're in a generation where we're developing a group of people who don't necessarily have the same knowledge of the internal workings or how, you know, the open source software that they're running um, actually works. And we keep on getting, you know, magnitudes of degree away from that back end, especially as you start to see, you know, X as a service um, solutions start to pop up, right? Mm -hmm. So instead of having to spin up your own WordPress or, you know, your your own Joomla or, you know, uh, Magento so instances... Yeah, yeah. You, you know, you go to the one click now and you yep. spin it up. So you don't have to know, it, which is great for speed, right? Mm -hmm. But you 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 lose some of the capabilities, the background to understand how it works and why it's doing certain things. Mm -hmm. And you know, that that that's very limiting. And so you're going to see a need for expertise continue to rise, and there's going to be a shortfall because honestly, 
while you know a lot of the software and a lot of the tooling that we've seen developed over the last few years through the X as a service, through you know Kubernetes, through the one-click deployments, they're awesome in you know bringing you know databases and you know development uh, tools to the masses. Um, they they hide that complexity, and a lot of people know how to click the button. They know how to spin up additional instances. They know how to move to the next instance size and increase mm -hmm. you know the spend. They don't necessarily know how to get the most out of what they're already using and and that's where you you know i like to say you need kind of this robocop approach half human half cyborg right you know <laughs> half half robot you know it's the cyborg approach you you know you're going to need someone who knows what they're doing um you know at some point and and that's yeah. where you know there's a lot of um room for growth for those who are really interested in the open source space to become an open source expert to understand the internal workings and help evangelize people who might be used to that one click the one you know button solution and how these actually work and help them get the most out of those solutions as well okay and what uh capacity do you think that person comes in as a bad open source expert or do you are you looking are you looking to hire internally to deal with this problem or do you go outside and look for say service providers to help out what is the solution to this problem well it's you know most larger companies, and it depends on the company size. Okay, um, and so what we found, and we've 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 surveyed the the, the industry, you know, um, quite extensively on this. But what we found is, um, you know, most companies will start looking for their own internal hires. They'll try and bring on hires. Um, it's not easy, especially in the database space, right? Database um, is um, kind of a boring technology, if you will. It's not terribly exciting um, for a lot of developers. Um, you know, it's, it's you know, kind of like, you know, oh, you're a database administrator. Oh, you know, we, we don't, we, we don't talk to you guys. We're, we're, we're on the edgy stuff, right? Um, and so when you talk about like, you know, database stuff, it's really hard to find, you know, good qualified open source DBAs. And a lot of technology has made it so, you know, oh, you don't have to. Um, so a lot of companies will first look to elevate their existing staff into those open source roles. And so they'll take developers who might be, you know, good at SQL Server or, you know, might be good at, you know, .NET um, or, you know, whatever. And they'll try and turn them into open source, you know, people, which mm -hmm. sometimes works, sometimes doesn't. Um, I think, you know, a lot of times, you know, the folks find that, you know, the the features or the 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 polish or the the enterprise focus of some of these these things is missed because you know a lot of these you know uh, developers or DBAs have been in this space for so long working with Oracle or SQL Server or DB2 that it's really hard to make that transition, and so you know you'll start there. Uh, but then when you can't find them, then you'll slowly try and build out teams. You'll try and you know compete, but you're competing with some really big companies. In the smaller, yeah. more agile companies have really interesting use cases, and everybody wants to work for those you know, Silicon Valley unicorns, right? You know, if, if your choice is working for, you know, you know, big bank USA or working for, you know, Facebook or Twitter, you're probably going to go Facebook or Twitter, you know, if those are your choices, right? And so, you know, you see that talent gap there. And so you end up trying to hire and, you know, to build the expertise. But in a lot of cases, you're going to end up, you know, augmenting that with services, with tooling. And so we're seeing a rise in the number of people who are looking for uh, managed service help or, you know, mm -hmm. one-off help, you know, some training, some mentoring, you know, mm -hmm. trying to be that kind of spirit guide or the guru to, you know, the existing staff that they have. So you, you're seeing kind of a combination of things. There isn't one solution to fit all. A lot of it depends on how wide and deep you're trying to get with the technology. 
um, and, and where you're going. Now, on the development side of the open source house, honestly, we're, we're much better off than we are on the database space because um, colleges, universities, you know, um, boot camps for, for coders, mm -hmm. all of them are not focused on proprietary tools. They're all focused yep. on the open source space. So you're yep. seeing that adoption move very, very fast there. And so it's easier on the development side to find, you know, the the, the, the people who actually know the technology stack and, um, you know, want to use it. Um, mm -hmm. Read an interesting stat. I don't remember where it was, but I, I think it was something like 70%. And, you know, I don't know if this is the exact number, but it was like 70% of, you know, um, uh, college age graduates are using the stack that they're going to develop in as one of the key drivers for what position they choose. Right. So, you know, wow. so yeah, yeah. I, I, I remember reading that from some business magazine. Um, and, and so if that's, that's the case, um, then that is a powerful, you know, indication that people are really, really passionate about what stack is cool and interesting and what's going to mm -hmm. you know, help, you know, them uh, advance in their career, what's going to scratch their niche. Yeah. Okay. That's really interesting. And I think, uh, I, so we sort of got to wait then, I guess, for these students to come out and the people who have been in the code camps till we have a, a huge influx of experts um, looking after. But I definitely know that that's something that Open Teams that works on too, is an idea of a placement program whereby you take someone in, you upskill them and you get them ready. Uh, and I think this would be a, something that's definitely going to be in demand very, very soon. And if not now, like obviously you're saying, it's already a, a big problem. Well, and what, what's 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 interesting is there's so many open source projects out there, right? Um, so, you know, for MySQL, for instance, if you go out to GitHub and look at MySQL, there's over 100,000 MySQL projects. There's 2,000 different ways to do high availability on GitHub, right? So, like, there's so many. Endless. Finding the right expert for the right thing, even when you have, you know, like, you know, college kids and college graduates and people going through coder camps, you know, learning how to code in Python or Ruby, the frameworks and the libraries and the integration pieces are so critical. Having an expert who can come in and help you with those is is really, really critical. Yeah, I think that's also just a, not really to talk about it too much, but in Open Teams, that's definitely our thesis that we're building upon is this idea that open source really is a long tail of open source projects. Uh, the Red Hats, the IBMs there, they're helping to provide support and training and everything you need around these popular large open source projects. But like you said, there's hundreds of thousands hundreds of thousands of other projects out there, which companies are building their critical software infrastructure on, but it's quite hard to find these companies. And it's quite hard to find a, a certain different company for every single different project. So that's what we're trying to do is we're trying to make it easy to find vet and contract with those service providers. Yeah, no. And I mean, here, here's the thing, the, the, the bigger the enterprise and the, the more established you know, the, the enterprise uh, and, and really even like the small to medium sized businesses now that have mission critical open source applications, they're looking for a stack that that will work together and they can get support and help. on, Right. Mm -hmm. um, while we found that, you know, you know, from the database base, 66 percent of DBAs prefer to self support. OK, that means a third of the industry need help or want help. Wow. OK. Right. Um, and so, you know, that self-support, you know, that's where, you know, for us, a lot of those people come in and they look for us for consulting help, right? A one-off, I have this thing that I can't solve, right? Because even the, the smartest people in the world can't solve everything, right? Somebody yeah. needs to be a doctor to a doctor, <laughs> right? Um, exactly. But there, there's there's a third of, you know, the, the, the $100 billion open source industry that still wants and needs you know, that 
you know, that support and, and has a willingness to pay for it. They want those things to work together. And, um, you know, the other 66% really kind of sway and move when they have issues and when problems mm-hmm. come up. And that's what really drives them is, you know, they reach the limits of what they can handle. And a lot of times what you'll find in these open source, um, you know, stacks is things work really, really well until they don't, right? You know, exactly. you know exactly. hey, you know, at 10,000 users, we're golden. Yeah, yeah. yeah. 10,000 <laughs> users, we're golden. 100,000, we're not. But at yep. 10,000, everything's working great. I don't need any help. At 10, you know, 100,000, we're like, oh my God, you know, this is, this is crazy. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. And I know just on the idea, uh, touch of that survey where I, I assume that's where you just pulled that statistic from uh, was the uh, recent survey that Picona released called the Open Source Data Management Sur- Software Survey. Um, yep. I'll actually leave a link in the description for everyone who's listening or watching. Um, but one interesting fact, and I, I think it it's probably relates to the same statistic you just used, but that is that most companies or a majority of companies don't actually have never really paid for open source. So they've never purchased a freemium license. They've never purchased a support contract. So why is that? Is that changing or? Well, so one of the great things about open source is you don't have to pay. (laughs) Right. And so, so, you know, with, with people, they want to start with, you know, limited lock-in. So one of the, the reasons that we found when we, you know, in our survey, was that uh, people moved to open source databases, um, you know, and, and we asked what, why, right? And so 69% said to avoid vendor lock-in, right? right? They don't want to be locked in, yep. right? Oracle is the epitome of lock-in for a lot of us old school DBAs who have mm-hmm. been around the block a few times, right? So they don't want that lock-in. And so, you know, when you have, you know, that, that kind of idea that I'm paying and I'm, and I'm stuck paying these, these folks, that drives people to like say like open source in a lot of people's minds is free and it can be free if you don't need the features or you don't need you know the the open core version or the enterprise version of some of these or you don't need the support and the services and the help to maintain it and you know you know if you think about how open source really started open source caused and, and was really what what built the internet as it is, as it is today, right? So back when I started in my my, my internet service yeah. provider days and I was the Oracle DBA, right? Oracle licenses was like a million dollars, right? Yeah. So imagine if like, you know, Mark Zuckerberg over at Facebook was, you know, building Facebook and his only choice for a database was Oracle. He wouldn't have a million dollars as a Harvard, you know, kid to go I out there and buy an Oracle license, <laughs> right? Like it wouldn't work, right? right. So by having access to Apache and PHP and Perl and Python and like you know, all these different technologies, you've enabled everything that we love about the internet today, right? Mm-hmm. That, I mean, this is where this grew. Now, uh, unfortunately, what, what we're seeing happen is that is great for the community, um, but it does limit your capabilities as a um, publicly traded company or a company that is very focused on you know shareholder value. Mm-hmm. Uh, to continue to grow your business because you grow a, a very steady or a slower pace. So, you know, you've got to find, you know, the quote unquote stickiness, if you will, in your, you know, offerings. And so for a long time, that stickiness was through open core software with the idea that you produce an enterprise version and mm-hmm. you put things in the enterprise version like 
back up. Oh, you want to back up your database? You're going to have to pay for that, right? Yep. Um, you know, you can back it up with it shut down, but you can't back it up, you know, hot. Um, and so, <laughs> yeah, yeah, who wants that? Uh, but you start to find, you know, these features that people look for and, and the product teams look for these killer features that are going to cause people to buy, you know, their software, increase your shareholder value and create mm -hmm. the stickiness within the subscription to keep you, you know, coming back, right? MongoDB's, you know, uh, financial statements are really great to read. They're really interesting because they, they really pride themselves. There's this line in, in there that I love that, you know, um, every, every, you know, quarter, like for like 15 or 16 quarters now, they've um, had 120 or 125% net retention, which means that their business model is predicated on taking what is currently available and growing it 25% quarter over quarter over quarter. How do they do that? Right. Yeah. They get you to buy more. They get yep. you to spend more money, right? And so we've started to see not only that, you know, open core, but that's moved into the, you know, the cloud space and, you know, the the new licenses that have occurred. And so now we've got, you know, the cloud providers coming out and they're saying, hey, you can run on our platform here, spend a premium to run your database, spend a premium to run your software on our platform. And, um, you know, you'll just pay us instead of paying your vendor and you can avoid the lock-in with the vendor. Mm -hmm. Well, the database vendors don't like that, you know, because yeah. it's competing with them, but you're getting locked into these not quite open source databases that are on the cloud providers. Um, and that's taking away business from the database vendors. So the database vendors have started to change their licensing. And now we've got database vendors competing with cloud vendors in this, you know, totally frenemy relationship because, you know, their software runs on one another and they require yep. one another in order to be successful but we're going to change our licensing and our structures and prevent you from doing things that are going to, you know, steal our business because we need to protect our shareholder value. And so that evolution has been happening for the last few years. And unfortunately, I think it's hurting, you know, the consumers and the users, um, you know, quite a bit because it limits, you know, the innovation and it, you know, stifles some of what um, we've seen uh, grow the community in the past. Okay. And what do you think, like, how, what, is, what do we need to do today to make sure that we can work towards a better future and we don't, because I think definitely something I've observed and read quite a bit about is the idea that um, these open core models and similar models have started off with, say, um, gating a lot of features. So saying, hey, you have to pay for a lot of features, but as competition has grown, they've kind of reduced the amount of features that they can charge for because of the competition. So is that something you've observed? Actually, well, the... now now what we're seeing is not only so so the, the features still are gated, but what we're seeing is that the features are now being reserved for their as a service offerings. So if you run in their cloud, you'll get the features, okay. and not okay. necessarily in the downloaded enterprise version. So it's a bit of a shell game there because yep. you know they want you to move to the consumption model because this consumption model right now is um, really it's scale by credit card. Right. So, you know, yeah. you know, you can you can scale as much as you want, as long as your credit card's good. Right? Swipe, swipe, swipe. Uh, yeah. Yes. And and that's where, you know, it's it's interesting to see, you know, you want to push people to the, the to that model. And um, so so to, to answer the second question first, you know, um, yes, we are seeing some more, um, you know, features not showing up in the enterprise versions, um, more features trying to drive adoption um, of the software in the free version. Um, because of the competition, but we're seeing that offset by people trying to drive them to their database as a service. So now, you know, the, the model for most people is 
let's get them hooked on the free version and then get mm -hmm. them over to the database as a service version. Because right. once they're in the database as a service version, we can get all kinds of information on what they're doing, but we can also understand intimate details and it increases the stickiness. Remember yep. that I said the stickiness? Yep. It increases the stickiness of that particular product. Mm -hmm. um, and so that's that's great, you know, for them. Um, not so great for consumers if you know you don't know what you're doing because you're going to pay by that credit card. Uh, but how do we avoid that? That's a tough one, right? And so you know, one of the things that Percona really prides ourselves on is we're trying to keep open source open, right? Especially around the databases. That's our goal. Our goal oh, <laughs> is to really keep open source open. We want to take the 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 features and the things that the community needs and provide them for free, right? Mm -hmm. that, that's our goal. We want you to have everything you need to be successful in running your own database mm -hmm. for free. Now, if you need our help and our expertise um, to help accelerate, you know, how, you know, moving you to, you know, do what you need faster. Uh, if you don't have the, the expertise to do it, we have services, we have subscriptions that will help you, you know, we'll have components that will help you do that quicker, faster, you know, mm -hmm. but we do not believe that anyone should be prevented from running, you know, enterprise class software by locked in features and they shouldn't be hidden behind a paywall. They shouldn't lock you in, you know, to some, you know, crazy complicated contract. And yeah. so that's where all of the work that we're doing is focused on that. But as we start to evolve and as we start to look at, you know, how to prevent this, you know, um, you know, from a widespread community perspective, it really takes the, the, the users, the developers, it takes the contributors to these projects, right? Mm -hmm. You know, contributing them to the open source space, making sure that they have, you know, sane open licenses that people can use and adopt. That's really important. Right. The more yeah. restrictive the license, the less likely it is going to be to be picked up and evolved and, you know, move forward. Yeah. Okay. I think that's probably a good segue just to um, touch on Pecona and and what the company is. So just for those listening, what is Pecona? What do you do? What are your main activities? So uh, Pecona is uh, 14 years old. Uh, we um, focus on making open source databases more accessible and better for everyone in the world. Right. Our goal, like I said, is to keep open source databases open. You know, that's what we do. And how we do that is we give people you know, free educational materials. Um, our blog right now has hundreds of thousands of readers every month. Uh, you can, you know, go to our blog and find out how to, you know, tune your database, optimize it, back it up, you know, set up HA, make sure you get the most out of, you know, AWS. Everything's free. It's ungated. You know, just go there, you know, you know, find any, you know, a lot of solutions to a lot of the common problems that exist, right? And so we believe in that education, that free you know, um, material, trying to get people to do better with what is already out there. Mm -hmm. And our philosophy is, you know, if you need us, um, if, you know, we're, we're good, you know, if you, you, you buy into, you know, you know, the, you know, what we can offer for free, then you should, you should come to us and use us for services, help you help you get better, right? Get, yep. you know, two, three times the value that you normally get just by running it yourself. And so mm -hmm. our philosophy has always been, Focus on helping customers, focus on helping users, make them successful. And then, you know, we'll work with you as you need to work with us, as you have needs um, to make you more successful with our services. And so we'll help people, 
you know, um, with, you know, one-off problems with their databases through our consulting services. We have support services as your spirit guru call us 24 by seven, right? You know, pick up the phone and be like, oh my God, my database crashed. I need some help. And we'll be right there. Um, or, you know, if you just want to turn it over to us, we have our own managed service department where we just manage people's, you know, databases for them around the clock. And, yeah. you know, we handle problems before they come problems. And um, we also, you know, take that and we, we build our own enhanced versions of MySQL, Mongo, Postgres to include all of those lock-in features that enterprise you know, versions have for MySQL Enterprise or mm -hmm. Mongo Enterprise or mm -hmm. you know, some of the bigger you know, uh, Postgres vendors. And we put them in the free space, right? So we unlock them. We unlock right. the software, right? So you know, imagine that, get, get the enterprise version for free. Uh, because again, we believe that you shouldn't be locked in to get value from open source. Okay, I think that's great, and it's definitely, I think, a unique perspective that a lot of these profit-driven companies, um, uh, or at least compared to those profit-driven companies. So I think that's really inspiring to hear that. Um, I'd now like to shift gears a little bit and focus on, um, I guess, asking a few questions around, uh, asking a few questions about things that I think companies will definitely find useful, um, given your experience and given that they uh, need help managing their open source technologies or would like to improve the way they manage their open source technologies. Uh, so I'll start off, I guess, by asking, what are some of the key trends that you uh, think the company should be aware of in the uh, coming decade as well, it relates to open source? So I think there's a there's a, there's a few things, right? So um, number one, you you don't have to look far, and this isn't so far future looking that you know you can't see the impact that cloud native development has had on the overall um, tech ecosystem, right? Um, you know the the evolution of microservices, the evolution of you know this cloud native design has made it so you can rapidly prototype, rapidly deploy, you know, um, massive amounts of you know applications in short amount of time. Right. Mm -hmm. And what that means is instead of, you know, spending a lot of time developing individual components, um, you know, you can reuse things. You can, you know, um, you know, definitely take what you've got and um, scale it, you know, much further. But it means that what we're entering is a time when we've got more and more complexity than we've ever had anywhere before. Right. So, again, we go back to our, you know, my, my you know, talk about uh, the open source survey that Percona put together, right? We see that the number of people who have been growing, the number of databases that they have to control is, is massive, right? So the number of people who reported a thousand databases grew 50% year over year, okay? Mm -hmm. A thousand databases, okay? Now, wow. now just, just, just imagine, right, that as a, as a professional who has to maintain said databases, that's a lot, headache. right? Headache. You know, um, and 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 so, you know, the the larger the complexity, the more you're going to see, you know, um, the need for the proper tooling, the need for the proper, you know, infrastructure, the need for the proper observability features, you know, and the tuning capabilities, right? And we see this also with not only with the the number of you know things that we're trying to do, the number of technologies. Okay, so we've yeah. seen a technology explosion happen. Mm -hmm. So when you look at, you know, it just well, you again use the database space, which I'm infinitely familiar with. You know, um, right now more than ninety-two percent of companies are running more than one database in their, you know, a data center. Wow. Right. Okay. So they have like MySQL and Postgres and Mongo and like so yeah. they're running they're running like seven Many. eight different databases. Right. So they have all these different technologies. 
right? And you see that also with um, technology stacks that are like development stacks. You don't have generally just a Python shop anymore. You might have Python and Ruby and PHP and you know, yep. you know, Rust and this, that's the other thing, all kind of like in the same you know space. Yep. And why is that? Because we're shifting a demographic shift where we're now pushing responsibility for a lot of the application design into individual development teams and individual contributors' hands. And so we're letting people decide the stacks and be free to develop quickly because we want a higher, faster return on our investment, right? How mm -hmm. can we enable this team? We've hired this Ruby expert or yeah, Ruby's old. I shouldn't use Ruby. That's a horrible thing. A Go expert. Uh, that dates me, right? Um, we hired a Go expert and yeah, we don't know Go, but he's a Go expert and he's going to go fast, right? That's what Go means. Go yep. fast. Yep. So let's go, go, let go. him do it, you know, even though we're a Python shop. So now we've got Go over here. And he, he knows Postgres, but, you know, the other guys, they know MySQL. So we'll just add, you know, this. And so what we're seeing is the, the, the teams that have to maintain these, I call it the great technology inheritance problem, because now all of a sudden they're inheriting all this technology and they don't know how to handle it. They don't know. No, like I'm... now I've got thousands of databases. I've got, you know, hundreds of different, you know, permutations of application stacks. I've got all this different infrastructure. I've got multiple cloud providers. You know, how am I going to handle this? Right. And, and, and it causes schizophrenia because yeah. you've got so much going on. So what are you going to do? How are you going to handle it? And that problem is probably the biggest problem that I worry about going forward is as this evolves, you know, we're, we, we, we have this need, this this, you know, unshakable need, this this need to grow and to continue to consume and to add new technologies, new resources. And that's not going to change. Right. Mm -hmm. You think about like, you know, everybody's, you know, hot to trot on machine learning and AI and all this. All that requires data. All that data needs mm -hmm. to be stored somewhere. And, yep. and, you know, does anybody want to get rid of it? No, they never want to get rid of it. That means more data. That means yep. more systems. That means more and more and more and more. Okay. That, that's amazing. I think that was such a great response. And I definitely agree. Kind of I falls in line with the next question I want to ask. But on the other end of the spectrum is... Um, I guess some of the benefits of using open source. And I know that we touched on it briefly before uh, the idea of vendor lock-in. That's one of the benefits. Uh, also other companies obviously found that it's it's free or, or it's at least cheaper than commercial software and often works better. But what are some of the benefits that aren't so obvious to people or to companies? Well, so, you know, so I, I mentioned before that there's an issue with the technology, you know, um, gap and the understanding on the database side. The application side, it is much easier today to find application people than it was, you know, 10 years ago, right? So developers, right, who can, you know, code in, you know, uh, Python, right? I mean, you know, hey, five years ago, Python, you know, you know, that was a tough skill to find, but you're seeing it more and more. So, you know, as, as open source gets adopted, it is easier to find some of those development skills, some of those, you know, things to help develop your applications. But one of the big things that I've seen that is a big benefit um, to the open source space and to the open source, um, you know, you know, uh, growth is um, really understanding, you know, that this is a technology that anyone can start with, anyone can, you know, use, anyone can get their hands around. And so it's that freedom, it's that openness, it's the, you know, distribution, if you will, of it across the organization or across the world, and really not the organization, yeah. across the world, anybody can start their project and be successful with something that, you know, the biggest companies in the world use. 
reduces and barriers completely. Yeah. It reduces barriers. The the mm -hmm. the barrier to entry has has massively shrunk, right? Yeah. So yeah. yeah. So so now, you know, it used to be, you know, average Joe couldn't do this. Average Joe has access to this, which mm -hmm. is a blessing and a curse, right? Yeah. <laughs> you know, and and I mean, honestly, this is one of the reasons why a lot of uh you know, uh, security issues have happened, right? Yeah. So, you know, I, I don't know if you you follow security issues. It's kind of like this thing that I've, I've tweeted a lot about these. Every time I see them, I like to retweet, you know, some of these things because they're really weird. You know, we see people who don't know how to and don't understand the technology start to deploy technology, right? Ah, I'm going to throw out a MongoDB instance. I'm going to throw out an Elastic instance. I'm going to I'm going to put some data out there and I'm going to analyze my data. I'm going to make sure I can see what's coming out of that. Right. I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to do better. And so they'll yeah. start it up and not realize, oh, you know, maybe I should have set a password. Uh, yep. Oops, forgot to set a password. Yep. Again, that barrier of entry has come down so far. They could do that without understanding those technical bops, those technical details. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden they run into problems. And then, you know, here I am with my data hacked three times um, or 30 times. Actually, um, I have more free credit monitoring offers than than I could ever consume in a lifetime. My daughter has her inheritance set for free lifetime credit monitoring for her kids and their kids and their grandkids just because I've been hacked so much. Um, but that's all because that barrier of entry, you know, reduced so much. So there's this double-edged sword. It's awesome that anybody can jump in, but then there's this dark downside where all of a sudden, you know, the, 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 the Spider-Man quote, you know, with great power comes great responsibility. <laughs> it's totally true. You know, so, you know, if, if I can give one advice to all, uh, everybody out there, you, you know, if, if you are going to deploy a database, please set a password. Please. Just number uh, one. Number one thing yeah, to do. Yes, just yeah, set yeah, the password. Yes, yes. <laughs> but with, that, with that, I can I can personally, if, I, if that's my crusade, if I can get everyone to set a password, I can reduce the number of data breaches by 50% next year. Just, yeah, just by really? one thing. Yes, yes, it's that high. Yes, yes. Oh my yes. goodness. Yes. Wow. One line so of we, code. Right. Set password. There almost needs to just be a pop-up alert when everyone start, someone sets up a database. Have you forgotten the password? Have you put the password in? Yes. It seems very trivial, but yes, I guess down the road it has very bad consequences. Right. Um, but um, you, you, one of the other benefits that I didn't mention, and I will, is you know one of the other kind of really fun and interesting things that I like these. I'm, I, like I said, I, I come from a tech background is with open source, you do have the observability and the visibility into the software itself and what it's doing. And that is yeah. something that I cannot understate how important it is as you scale and grow a company, right? Mm -hmm. When you look at, you know, the Silicon Valley unicorns, yeah, they've all done things to modify or enhance the open source software they use by finding the bottlenecks and the limitations that exist in the software that are relevant to them. And that has enabled them to move in ways that no one could ever have predicted, right? Yeah. And so you see open source projects and new you know, features and libraries pop up all the time, right? I don't know if you're familiar with uh, VTES. Are you familiar with VTES? Yeah. Um, uh, Planet Scale is a company that uh, is in the MySQL ecosystem, and they've okay. built the enterprise version of VTES. But VTES was an example of that. YouTube created VTES early on to scale MySQL. They found that their use case for MySQL was so limited right. that they needed something to build, you know, to, to handle mm -hmm. the scalability. So they were able to look in the code, see the see the issues. They were able to build a framework on top of MySQL to enable massive scale out. And you know, that type of thing can't be done with some of these other applications that are, you know, closed source and proprietary. Yeah. 
Definitely. No, that's, that's fascinating. I definitely do agree. They get a lift under the hood, but they also, and, and you see so many companies now hiring open source contributors so that their needs can be met in that open source software. Uh, so I couldn't agree more with, with that benefit. But I thought we'd finish off the final question I'd like to ask. You seem like an extremely optimistic person. So what are you most excited about when it comes, when you think about the future of open source software? Ooh, what am I most excited about? Well, I mean, I think that I am most excited that, you know, as, as the open source ecosystem continues to grow, um, I want to see what we can do next, right? I, I think that the next generation of developers who are coming up, the next generation of people are going to develop things that we could never fathom, never imagine, right? Mm -hmm. And that's the great thing about open source is you continually get surprised, right? Yeah. And so I want to see the stuff that I don't know about. I want to yeah. see someone come to the stage with a passion about something new. And I want to get shocked. I want to get surprised. I want to get like inspired. Mm -hmm. And that's the thing. Every year, every month, every time that there's a new open source conference, every time there's some new open source software released, you have that capability to just be dazzled. And I want to see what's next. And I think yeah. that, you know, as we continue to grow, as we continue to scale, as we continue to see adoption across the board, that's getting more and more likely every day that you're going to see the next big thing, the yeah. next wave, right? Yeah. And that's just so inspiring, you know, or inspiring. It's so, you know, awe-inspiring that, that, that it's just great. Awesome. I think definitely in, in the age of 2020, we need that we need that positivity we need something that inspires us to get us through but matt thank you so much for joining us today it has been an absolute pleasure i've loved chatting with you and getting to know you and uh, hopefully we'll have you on back sometime all right i appreciate it <laughs> all right thank Thanks, you matt. so for those listening uh if you liked what you listened or watched today if you're watching on youtube then please leave a review and let us know what you think it really really does help out um if you like the video on youtube please subscribe to see more content like this and to stay up to date but uh, anyway, thank you very much for listening and stay safe, everyone. Till next time, see you later.